If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest is David Simons. Whether your interest is pleasure riding or high-level performance in either the equestrian or reigning Western disciplines, David's training guarantees remarkable results. His passion for training the horse to perform with correct and fluid movement while showing willingness, commitment and lightness with its connection will allow you to achieve remarkable results, probably more than you believe possible. David's personal competition interest is reigning and yet he's as passionate about the horse performing to the best of its ability in any discipline. At their home in Drysdale in Victoria, David and his wife Sandy have a private training facility where David not only trains his own horses for competitions, but horses of all ages, sizes, disciplines. David's lifetime involvement with horses, he believes that a horse of any stage of its life from any background can be trained in a non-threatening way to promote calmness and responsiveness. Okay, how are you today, David? Very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, wonderful. David, we start off with a favourite quote. Have you got one for us? I have. Uh, it is what it is. <laughs> That's a pretty basic one. Yep, yep. That is, yep. yeah. Now tell me about it and how you got to know that quote. Well, I suppose, you know, in life, you know, uh, life throws a lot of curveballs at you and um, just in life in general and each day is a new day and, you know, there's always something going on and, it's sort of at the end of the day, you know, whatever happens on that day, it is what it is and you just got to learn to move on and strive to be the best and do the best you can and, you know, get up every morning. You know, it's just a simple quote, but, you know, at the end of the day, whatever happens, you can't change it. So you've yep. got to just accept it and move on. Now, did someone tell you that quote or is it something that you thought of yourself? How did you first start using that quote? I've used it for quite a long time, you know, and I'd only just, and I didn't really even know I used it until my friends, uh, you know, kept repeating it back to me and, <laughs> and actually ended up giving me a sign with it on it, you know, and I'm going, geez, I don't, you know, I don't recall saying it, but obviously I have been and, you know, <laughs> so it just sort of brought it to my attention, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, David, tell me about one of your very early memories of horses. One of my earliest memories, you know, back when I was probably 10 or 12 and uh, just learning to ride, you know, I was, I was actually a late beginner as a rider, mm-hmm. you know, into horses. I sort of didn't start until I was about 10 or 11. So uh, I suppose that's late, as you'd say, but uh, yeah, sort of learning to ride and, you know, sort of riding everywhere. I used to get up early in the morning and go and ride you know, 10 or 12 Ks with um, old ex-minister who used to have racehorses and he was like 75 years old and he used to ride a sort of thoroughbred cross stock horse and, and ride a uh, leader racehorse. 
and then here we'd go 10Ks down these back roads and he'd feed the horses down there, then we'd drive back and I sort of thought, well, if he can do that, you know, at 75 years old, then I have no excuses. So that was my one of my early memories of, you know, riding and having someone with an input into what I'm going to do. So when you say he rode a horse and then led a racehorse off it, did you ride with him? So you rode... Yeah, I used to... I rode a horse, you know, just a pony or just a 14-2-hand yep. pony, you know, and I thought just learning to mm. ride. And, and then the thing is what we'd do is we'd trot all the way yep. there, you know, so it wasn't about I'd just walk and just float along. I sort of... You know, my backside in that saddle, I was trotting, yep. you know, and I, I, soon, I soon learned how to sort of rise to the trot anyway. It, uh, it's certainly a good way to get the miles up, isn't it? You know, if, you, if you're going that far down and then that far back and then getting off and feeding horses and everything yeah. in between. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and getting the soft backside. Yes, yes. Now, from there, you know, when was the, the move then to have a career with horses? Was it then that you decided or um, something later? Uh, not really. I was, you know, I was riding every day, you know, sort of, I got the bug yep. and I'd get up every morning before school and go and ride with mm. him, you know, and get the miles up. And then, you know, then I started to learn how to ride a bit better. Then I discovered novelties and I did novelty racing. And then it wasn't sort of until I left school and then I wrote a letter to the cattle station up in the Northern Territory and uh, to become a jackaroo. So I actually got the job up there when I left school and then I was up there for six years, you know, on the cattle station. So, you know, that was sort of day and night. You know, that was the eye-opener of, you know, that's like leaving school and being sort of protected and comforted (laughs) from your parents and living a sheltered life, going up there and sort of growing up overnight. Mm -hmm. So the time that you spent on the cattle station, was it mostly riding? You know, did you spend, how much of that time was with horses? Because some cattle stations now barely don't have any horses. They get up there and they're on their bikes and oh, well, doing all sorts of things. Yeah, well, that was that was back in the early mm. 80s. So that was a long time ago. So it was all horse yep. work. We would um, be on our horses anywhere up to, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. And, yeah, it really taught me how to ride horses and stay on them. You know, I remember going up as a jackaroo and, you know, no one, no one like at that time would do anything for you. You had to do it all yourself. And, you know, I remember when we first went out to the camp and we had to shoe our plant horses, the head stockman got us all young blokes around and said, I'm going to show you how to put a shoe on one foot and then you've got to go out and do it yourself. And that's all he did. He showed us how to put a shoe on one foot and then we had to go and do it ourselves. Wow. Wow. And that was it. You know, and uh, so we sort of learnt, you know, there wasn't any, and the only reason is because the job had to be done. You know, there was yes. no time for stuff around or, or whatever. And, you know, and my first year on the cattle station and, you know, the horses, as good as horses they were, they weren't sort of kind-hearted type of thing. And, um, you know, I remember my first year riding, I reckon they say you never really learn to ride until you've fallen off three times. <laughs> on that year alone, that first year alone, I reckon I hit the deck about 60 times in one year. Yep. And I remember hitting the deck four times in one day off the same horse. So, 
you know, but you just had to keep getting back on because mm, mm. you're miles from nowhere and no one was going to ride the horse for you. So it was just tough luck. Tell me about the horses there. Did you get the young horses, bring them in? Were they bred on the station? Just tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we bred all our own horses. We had, you know, rude mares and stallion. And we would, at the start of the year, you know, before we went out and um, out to the camp and did the cattle, we'd bring the mares and foals in and we would cut the cut and brand the colts and then, you know, brand the mares, the fillies, and then we'd wean the, you know, the 12, 14-month-old mm-hmm. ones off. Yep. We'd handle them for probably two weeks. And then we wouldn't bring them back in until they were seven year old. So we never used to break them in until they were seven year old. And any reason for that? Was that just a, the preference of the owners? Yeah. No, just so when they went out into the stock camp, they could do a day's work. Yep. Okay. So they're big and strong and old enough yeah. to, they're fully developed. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And they're sort of adult horses. So we never had time just to, you know, go down to the arena and ride to, five, ten minutes an hour just to train our horses. We had yep. to train them and uh, get them broke while we was working. So, mm. so that's why we didn't start them until they were seven. So they were yep. pretty wild. They were wild when they come in, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and what about the breed of horses? Were they stock horse, thoroughbred? What? Um, they were stock horses. Mm-hmm. And they were a really good cut of horse too, you know. They're really good, good quality horses, good cow horses and stuff. But you know, they just all had their quirks, you know. There's a lot of ones that bucked and, you know, <laughs> did everything, you know. They, yeah. They certainly uh, taught you to ride anyway. <laughs> yes, yes. What about if someone said to you, you know, I'd like to work in the horse industry and I'm thinking about going up and working on a property, what sort of core skills or character traits do you think they need? Because, you know, I'm thinking about riding skills and you put your hours in, you know, got your hours in when you were sort of going out with the to do with the racehorses. But gee, you've got some hours on the cattle property. What sort of core skills or character traits would someone need to start work? What do you think you had to get you started on that property to last as long as you did? I think in today's society, like in today, how today is, you know, yep. the way it was when I was up there is not existing anymore. It's mm-hmm. like now uh, the station have a station that alone that just handles and breaks the horses in because the unfortunate thing now of you know people who go up to the station they actually don't have really much riding skill or any you know farm experience a great deal of so the, all the horses now have got to be sort of really quiet and just for the people to you know because I think a lot of people that go up there now are sort of university students which are having a you know time off and just want to break and they go and do that for 12 months and come back. But when I was up there, it was really, really isolated and quite lonely because there was no TV, there was no radio, there was no nothing. Mm. It was sort of like stepping back into the 1800s. You know, we had a bunk cart and we'd tail horses and had a wagon with all our chuck wagon with all our stuff on and it would follow us. And But, you know, it, it was it was sort of like living a dream, but like a damn hard one. Yes. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I think um, you just got to have a strong character, I think, you know, and sort of maybe willing for adventure because it's not easy work. I've been uh, fortunate enough in the last few months run into people that have worked up there as well. And 
and because it was so long ago, they sort of worked up sort of around the same time as I did, and, and it's been a great thing to reminisce on the stories, and, and it's amazing the stuff that you forget, and and it was it's really cool to you know jog your memory of all the things that you used to do, and you know the near misses and sort of the life and death experiences that you had, and you know like the near misses and stuff like that. It's quite an eye opener. It was so. Yeah, if you're looking yeah. for adventure, yeah, it's supposed to go. <laughs> Tell us about one time. You know, you're saying looking for adventure, but you're not really telling us any stories. So tell us, just take <laughs> us back to, you know, it's almost like it's out there in the abyss. You know, yeah, it's a big adventure. But tell us one story, just one memory that you had that may have been a bit of a life or death or something. Well, I've had several. You know, I was involved in a plane crash up there in a Cessna. Mm-hmm. So that's one story. I survived it, of course, because I'm yep. still talking to you. Yes. But cattle horning you and all that sort of stuff. But the story that I'll tell you, it's, it's a miracle that it happened, but it's really, really funny. Yeah. So growing up, you know, back in the late 70s and early 80s, and there used to be a lot of, you know, cowboy movies on TV. You know, cowboy and western yep, movies. Yes. They were the sort of the hits back then, and of course, you know, it's all westerns and cowboy stuff, riding horses and chasing cattle around, and you know, doing stuff to the cattle. So, before I went up there, I, you know, I learned how to ride horses, but I'd never been near a cow in my life. You know, I lived. <laughs> my yes. parents had a small acreage, but and there was cattle, you know, all around us, but I'd never. The only time I've interacted with cattle was when they were chasing me in the next door neighbor's paddock, you know, like <laughs> yes. sergeant chasing me, and we're running, you know, like scared out of our wits as kids. So, of course, growing up in those times and at the westerns and all that, and you sort of see the see them on TV, so you sort of get an idea of maybe this is what it's about and what you should be doing. So, we was it was my very first muster mustering cattle and and. Um, was all coming out and the head stockman told me to go up into the brush and uh, the scrub there and see if there's any cattle up there. So I, I went up into the scrub and I was like all turpentine and, and really thick bushes and stuff. And I come across this big, big bullock. So he would have been probably five or six years old and he would have been probably 14, two, somewhere around at the withers there and he had massive horns and all that yep. sort of stuff. And um, I'm trying to push him out of the brush and, and he just stood there, and I'm thinking now, how am I going to get this sucker to move? And, of course, my recollections went back went back to the Western thing. What would they do? In the movies. Yeah. yeah in the movies. Because yeah. this was my very first encounter with a, with a beast, you know, some cattle. Yep. And for some reason, he sort of just bailed up in the bushes there. And so I said, what would they do in the Western? So I got off my horse, and I ran over to him, and this is where the miracle part is. And I ran over to him, I grabbed him by the head and horns and I started <laughs> twisting on his head. Yeah. And he just stood there. And I'm I'm wrestling this big bullock and I'm twisting its head and horns and I'm uh, and I'm just doing that, <laughs> but I had no clue what the outcome was. Mm. I'm thinking, well, twist his head, something will happen. Yeah. Anyway, he just stood there. And then after a minute or so I sort of gave up because he wouldn't do anything, and I just walked back and got my horse and rode off, you know. And, I'm, <laughs> and that was my first encounter with cattle, yeah. you know, and I learned from that day on after that I learned that I was quite lucky. <laughs> <laughs>
quite lucky that that bullock never hammered me or horned me or ampled me or killed me. So what was the story? <laughs> was he caught up in the turpentine? Is he? No, he was just standing there. He just sort of trotted in there and not, and because yeah. a lot of them, you know, a lot of them were pikers up there and, yep. and they'd just go into the brush and you couldn't get them out. Yep. So he went and stood in the middle of it and I just sort of went in there and started wrestling him. And, <laughs> you know, and it was a draw and I sort of walked out and got on and, and then I walked back down to the head stockman and he sort of was going, what the hell was you thinking? <laughs> wow. <laughs> he wow. was watching me. Yeah, yeah. watching me, and I thought, oh, just thought, you know, I thought that's how it was. Yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah, that was someone that's willing to adventure, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I soon pulled yeah. my head in after that and become <laughs> a lot more responsible. <laughs> <laughs> David, what do you think was the best thing about working on the cattle property, spending time up there in a cattle station? Uh, growing up, mm-hmm. you know. Becoming a man overnight, basically, you know, and being responsible and developing a work ethic and sort of getting to the understanding if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it for you. Yep. Because that's how it was, you know, and there was no no one to wipe your backside or your nose or... How old were you when you went? 17. Yep. What about, what about the horse industry itself? What's the best thing about working in the horse industry? Best thing about working in the horse industry, you know, you sort of meet a lot of different types of people and every horse is different. So every, you know, a horse is a challenge. And like I said, you know, at the start, that old saying, it is what it is. So, you know, you have to sort of keep thinking and you have to uh, always be one step ahead, you know, in the sense of you always got to be trying to outsmart the horse. And, and the biggest thing about the horse industry, it's a humbling experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can never get ahead of yourself. You're, you know, if you get ahead of yourself, the horse will always, bring you back down to earth yep. so uh yeah so that's that's what i think it's the best part of it is it's humbling and and it's good satisfaction when you can see an improvement in the horse and see him start to change and become better and you know all that sort of stuff yep thinking about people who've influenced you and you've already talked about john lyons but is there anyone else yeah getting back to the cattle station it was yep. my old boss He's passed away now, but Des Stenhouse, he was probably, you know, he never ever used to admit it, but he was quite a big influence because, you know, he sort of sort of leaving just a little town and, you know, a sheltered sort of life and going up there, he sort of moulded me and sort of shaped me and gave me the sort of the structure and foundation and to sort of what I am today. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was a tough man, but he was really fair, you know, if you know what I mean. Yep. Yep, and they had to be up then up there. So he was the manager of that the station that I used to work on, and so uh, yeah, him and and of course all the people in the horse industry who are my peers. It doesn't really matter what discipline they are, but you know all the ones that are up the top in their game and stuff like that. They're the ones who influenced me a lot as well because you know you always got to strive to be better, and so all those people. They're the ones who sort of keep me going and keep me excited about riding horses every day, you know, because I want to be as good as them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And interesting you say that about the different disciplines because everyone works with the same tool, you know, the same basic, even though the breeds might be a little bit different, the type, the individuals are different, but everyone's working with horses. Exactly right. Mm. So you can learn off everyone, so it doesn't really matter, you know, what discipline they do you know we're all striving for the same thing yes yes 
some of us just wear different clothes, if mm. you know what I mean. So yep. Yep. different, you know, um, circus costumes. So, mm. 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 and that's it. You know, at the end of the day, you know, it, we might have different saddles and different costumes on, but it's pretty close, you know, in all the aids and what we're trying to teach the horse and what we want the hell horse to do and how to respond and react and act and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, we're all striving for the same outcome. So yep. it doesn't really matter what discipline you do. It's, it, you know, we can always learn something. Yeah. Thinking about John Lyons, tell us a lesson that you've learned from him, something that you've learned from him. What was the, you know, how, how did that work out? What was the... What happened on that day or what happened within that time that you learned this lesson from him? He taught me a lot sort of about the horse. You know, the thing the thing with it is I, I knew sort of quite a lot, you know, working on the cattle station and that's where I learned to break in horses. And, and like I said, back then it was an industry and, and it was work. It was a job. You know, it was a great job. I probably, you know, boiling on the best years of my life as um, for you know, for a foundation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I always, always sort of wondered what I would have become of if I never went there, you know. And, mm-hmm. But it is what it is. Again, there's that thing. <laughs> but John sort of uh, taught me the finer points of horse training. But, but I think the most important sort of lesson that he taught me was sort of just about life itself. He's a very humbling man and, you know, he's just got a great philosophy on life and all that stuff in general. But... um I remember when I first went over there and um, I never knew him from a bar of soap. And anyway, we my first day to actually interact with him. And, and I'm thinking that, you know, it's John Lyons and he was back in the 80s. You know, he was quite in demand and all this sort of stuff back then. And, and I'm thinking, geez, you know, all the stuff that I've done, you know, over the past, you know, it's probably not good enough or I haven't done enough or anything like that, you know because he accepted me into his place to train so I could train with him. And, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, I haven't done enough. And so I remember he sat down with me and he said, righto, you know, so how many horses have you done? And I'm thinking, oh, here it is. You know, this is it. He's going to reject me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, geez, should I, should I tell a white lie or should I be honest? You know, should I make myself look, you know, look good? And I'm saying, nah, nah, you've got to be honest. So I said, look, I suppose all up, you know, I've probably done, you know, a thousand or so horses. And he goes, oh, oh, geez, you know. And he sort of looked at me, a bit of a shock. Yep. And here I'm thinking I haven't done enough. Yep. And here's him thinking that I've only probably done one or two. Mm-hmm. The stories were quite opposite. And then, so we went out into the arena and, Played around with horses, and his first words to me when I got out on the horses, and this stuck with me, and and this is really what it's all about. His first words to me were, he goes, you know, David, I'm no better than you. I just know different things, you know. And then mm-hmm. whammo, you know, that's what put us in the, put everything into context, and now we're really close and best friends from that day on. That's a very um, humble thing for him to say too, isn't it? It is. I'm no better than you. I just know different things. Yeah, and then to a total stranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To a total stranger who's come from the other side of the world to see him. Right, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and that was just like, yep, this is the guy, you know, and, and that's, the, that's the type of guy he is, you know. Yep, yep. And that's why I'm saying, you know, he taught me a lot about horses, but he also taught me a lot about life as well and mm. 
you know, mm. and all that sort of stuff. So, what about horses? If you've got some horses who've influenced you, is there a standout horse you think's influenced you more than others, or how does it go? You know, I, I think over the course of over the thirty years, whatever it is, how long it is, I've been doing it. There is some good horses, but I sort of just take every horse as they come as a learning experience. Yep. Because every horse influences you yep. to do better or do something. You know, sitting on my horses today, you know, I learned something. Yeah. Yep. Been doing it over 30 years. So I'm always prepared to try and improve and listen to my horses and get feedback from them that I can make it better, you know, like make my riding better and make their they're tolerating me better, you know? Yep, yep. You know, when I've had some pearlers of horses in the sense of wild ones, but some of those ones I think have been brought here for a reason to for me to learn or teach me something. Mm-hmm. That's how I put it across is, you know, I, if I've got a, I get a horse or it's, whether it's a good one or a bad one, whatever, you know, it's, I sort of get the figure it's, it was sent to me for a reason. Yep. Teach me something. Yep. Maybe to punish me or maybe to make it better, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so you learn yes. you learn from every horse but you know I've got my favourites I've had Gambler which is my original one and then Bo and you know the unfortunate thing is I can't sell horses you know if I get ones and I you know go through the, all this time I can't get rid of them yeah. So, yeah so I have a paddock full of them now I've got my <laughs> laners and yeah yeah what do you think your proudest moment's been I think my proudest moment you know I've spent so many years, so such a long time, just breaking in and doing problem horses and doing clinics and stuff like that. You know, and that was really, really, I really enjoyed it. But I got sort of down the track a little bit disillusioned because it was sort of like Groundhog Day. You know, you're yeah. just doing the same stuff. Sort of, there wasn't any end result, if you know what I mean. There wasn't mm-hmm. any sort of follow-on or or a, there was a result, but there wasn't sort of a outcome. Yes. So sort of 2011, I decided to become a little bit selfish and decided to go out and start showing myself and training and decided I'm going to, I want, really always wanted to do rainers. But I, you know, also, you know, when I left the uh, cattle station, I was a bit of an, like I said, that taught me how to ride horses and how to ride buck jumpers and all that sort of stuff. So, I did the rodeo circuit for 10 years, mm-hmm. the professional rodeo circuit for 10 years riding saddle bronc horses. So there's a highlight in that. I won three state saddle bronc riding championships and I come in the top five in Australia in the open saddle bronc and I um, come second in Australia in the rookie saddle bronc and mm-hmm. I got the opportunity to ride in the States. So I was happy about that. And So there's some of the highlights. But but that was a you know that was a long time ago. But the recent highlights that I have would be winning the the lower level futurities at the reigning. Yep, yep. And placing in all the levels, but winning some of the lower levels. You know, my aim, my goal is to win the level four futurity. Yep. I've won all the rest, but I haven't won that one yet. <laughs> okay. So that's my goal, and that's my highlight is winning that. And of course, when I talked about you know, like the Groundhog Day. Yep. Actually going out into the futurity and actually winning or placing in the futurities and know that the horse that you are on riding that you trained. Yes. 
the out, there's the outcome of your training, you know what I mean? Yep, yep. So that was that's the greatest highlight is winning those lower levels and placing in the level four faturities on a horse that I trained. So that's a really good highlight for me. All right. Now, I'm sure that it hasn't been all roses right from when you left school to where you are now as a professional. What do you think has been your biggest challenge? My biggest challenge was I'm battling depression. Okay. The unfortunate thing about depression is it has no discrimination of who it, who it likes to jump on board and get its claws into. So that's probably been, like over the years, been my biggest battle that, you know, I've, I'm really, really happy that I've had the horses in my life to actually help with it. Yes. And, of course, my family and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, it's, I'm pretty happy in my life now because I think I've, I've actually got through it and I've battled them now I'm on the end of it. So, you know, everything's sort of really peaceful now and I'm, I'm really happy. But I've really got my horses to thank for that because, you know, whoever has depression, it's a battle of your own internal battles, you know, and I can remember sitting down in the round pen crying and all that sort of stuff and not wanting to talk to anyone and not wanting to be around anyone. But, you know, the horses, for some reason, the horses always made me get out of bed every day. Mm. And it gave me a routine, you know, and I think I sort of worked my way through it. And, um, yeah, I've come out the other side and I think it's been a sort of a blessing, you know, to have them in my life, the horses and and um, that's what I used as therapy. Yeah. And they've been used. I mean, it's not, you know, you're saying that, but horses themselves have been used for healing, not just depression, but a lot of other issues, you know? Yeah. It, it, the biggest thing that I learned, you know, with it, because the horse is a mirror of one oneself. Yes. And of course, yep. you know, and, and with depression, you know, it's just a battle of all different emotions. Mm. Mm. So... And really, at the end of the day, what the horse wants you to do is he wants you to be around him and train him and be around him with no emotion. Yep. He wants you to control your own emotions and don't ride, train him, or throw your emotions onto him. So uh, that's sort of what it taught me to do is, is to check my emotions at the gate when I went to the horses and be neutral. So I think, you know, that's really what helped me sort of okay. get, get it all in line. Hmm. What would you say to someone, advice to someone who is battling depression now? What advice would you give them? Um, the best thing I've found is just to talk about it. You know, don't hold it in or mm-hmm. or don't sort of think you're the only one suffering from it. You know, like how I sort of, I didn't really know what was going on with me because I had all these different feelings and I'd get angry at the drop of a hat and I'm, and you'd start talking to yourself and, you know, you'd think, oh, I'll be better tomorrow, I'll be better tomorrow. It's only just a phase and all that sort of stuff. And, and you know, uh, one of my friends, I was just happened to be in the car with him. He was going somewhere and he was talking about his depression and, and he was explaining it. And I'm saying, you're just explaining me. Yep. You know, and it's the, the sort of thing that you don't really know you have. And so, you know, off to the doctor I went and, we um, sort of got a program in order and, you know, I got my, as I call them, I got my Guatemala Insanity tablets and so it helps me, helps me with them and, um, yeah, just, just just don't hold it in. Mm-hmm. Just talk mm-hmm. about it, yeah. Okay. That's good advice. David, you go, you do a lot of clinics now. 
So thinking about you walking into a new clinic with new riders, new people, new everything, what's a common fault that you see across the board and and what sort of exercises would you use to fix it? I think with horses and training them and and teaching them to do what you like them to do or teaching them, you know, what you don't want them to do, it's really just sort of teaching the horse black and white, isn't it? You know, just... Like make a choice. If we we make it simple and just say... Just say to the horse, you know, horse, you know, I'd like you to turn left or I'd want you to turn right, whatever like that, mm-hmm. then there can only ever be two answers if you make it simple, isn't it? Yep. So the either answer will be yes or no, won't it? Yes. So if you just make it simple and just make it black and white and just keep it clear, you'll get further along with your horse. But, you know, the, you know really at the end of the day, all the horse wants to be done is left alone. And the quicker he does it, the quicker he finishes. But the best advice that, you know, from training the reiners, you know, training the reining horses and how sensitive and subtle they've got to be, you know, the best advice I can give is the less I do, the more I should expect, rather than the more I do, the less I'll expect. So I want to do very little on my horse and get my horse to offer me a mountain rather than you know, being all over my horse and forcing my horse and getting very little out of it. So, and it's really about, you know, constantly showing the horse what you would like him to do and then leaving him alone rather than, you know, see a lot of people when they're riding them, they just babysit the horses. So they really won't allow the horse to do it wrong, but they won't allow the horse to do it right either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's really about just letting the horse make that mistake, correcting it and then moving on and then going about your business again. Yep. I think that's a bit of a life lesson itself, isn't it? Well, I sort of look at it and, you know, if we're learning something, it seems to be all right for us to make mistakes. Mm. We learn from our mistakes, but when we, when it comes to our horses, we don't let them make mistakes. You know, we seem to think that if we catch them out, if we catch them before they make the mistake, then they'll learn better, but they don't. They actually shut down and they actually get a little bit more stressed and agitated because they get the feeling that they can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yep. the best thing to do is to let them make the mistake, correct them, and then in actual fact, what will end up happening is the horse will end up trying harder for you after the correction because he learns from it. Mm. Mm. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. David, have you got a book that you'd like to recommend to our listeners to complement their training? Um, do I have a book? The unfortunate thing, the unfortunate thing is I don't read many. I thought you'd actually talk about your books at that stage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose, yeah, I have, I have books, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, whether it's my books or anyone's books the thing about you know when you go and buy books and you know buying books or videos or dvds you just sort of got to stay away from all the gimmicks and you got to have this and you got to have that you know all you need in your tack room is a bridle and a saddle and you know dressage whip and or whatever and go out and train your horse with that you know there's no secrets in training a horse except you know like we talked about before is you know you sort of your ups and downs you know we we talked about the depression, but 
But in the, you know, as training the horses, it would be great if every day that you went out and played with your horse, it was a fantastic day. You know, if that was how it was, everyone would be a trainer, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Not only that, everyone would be riding at the Olympics and riding in the World Championships. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But unfortunately, there's just as many down days as there is up days. So, and that's the whole part of, you know, training a horse and it's, going through the same stuff day after day you know, until the horse understands it and until the horse says, you know what, it becomes a subconscious reaction. And But um, yeah, as far as books go, you know, books and videos, yeah, my, my books have information in them, but, you know, um, whatever you're going to buy or going to read, it, it, it sounds clear and understandable, you know, and sounds simple. Mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. most important thing about training the horses is keep it simple. Yep. It's not rocket science. And what we also need to be is not so anal about training our horses, not to be so nitpicky. Mm-hmm. So that's probably my best advice, you know, about training. If you're trying to find a book, you know, just find a book that's that's got the information and it doesn't, you know, tell you a lot life stories or waft off into something else and then tells you very little information. Yeah. Okay, David, can you summarise your philosophy with horses? I think you just did about saying the most important things about keeping it simple, but, um, yeah. The most important thing, you know, is to, at the end of the day, you know, you've got to be happy. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you've got to walk away from your horse smiling and happy. And at the end of the day, so does the horse. If you're happy, then the horse is happy. And if the horse is happy, you're happy. You know, yeah. and, and that's really at the end of the day what it's all about. You know, you, if the horse is miserable, then you're probably going to be miserable too because he's going to take it out on you. And if you're miserable, then there's a good chance the horse is going to be miserable because you're going to take it out on the horse. So, you know, it's, it's that win-win-win situation, isn't it? Yes. If the horse is happy, you're happy, everyone's happy. You yep. know, and that's and that's at the end of the day is what it's about. So and it's training and working your horse, it mightn't start that way, but training your horse to end up that way, isn't it? And yep. making it more and more and more like that. So it's enjoyable to go out and ride, do whatever you want your horse, you know, and and enjoy it. Yep. You know, unfortunately the horses don't train themselves in the paddock or they don't learn from, you know, getting licorice or I know I give my horses licorice, but, you know, they don't learn from that. You know, it's, they learn from you because you showed them how to do it. Yep. Yep. They just don't sort of, they don't train themselves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's the most important thing that, you know, you've put your life in the horse's hand, but he's also put his life in your hand. So Mm -hmm. someone's got to take the responsibility and guide each other. Yep, yep. David, how can people contact you? What's the best way? Well, we have uh, got our website. But yep, simons.com.au, is it? That's it. And yep. and there's also, uh, I'm not right up into it. I'm not, I'm a little bit archaic when it comes to all the computer stuff, but they have the Facebook page as well, you know, Sandy and David Simons and is on there. So, yeah, or they can give us a call. We'll have all your contact details on horsechats.com slash David Simons or 
go to horsechats.com, search for David or search for Simons. So we'll be able to have all those contact details as well, David. And thank you very much for talking to us today. Great talking to you. I'd love to have you back some other time to talk about some of the stuff in a little bit more detail. That would be great. And no um, Yeah, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Yes, look forward to it. Thank <laughs> you very much for having me on, on your show. Thanks, David. Bye. No worries. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.